You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. Belly up to my bar. Let's have a little chat. Uh, Before we do, I do need a little favor from you, though. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On NFL, and then we'll be right there with you for the drive. That helps us more than you know, and you'll enjoy it, too. Um, It's Wednesday. That means Mark Schofield is stopping by. Mark, what's shaking, brother? It's week one of what we like to call in the Schofield household daddy camp. Oh, uh, my kids that? are home for my kids are home for two weeks before they start their summer camp and a lot of running around, my friend. <laughs> a lot of running around, but happy to be here, bellying up to the bar because believe me, I need a cold one or two right about now. I bet, I bet. How old are they? Um, Owen turns five next week. Ooh. Um, Simone is, I mean, Owen turns eight, Simone is five. So, okay. Yeah. A lot of running. We lot did, uh, running. what did we do? Today? We did haircuts. We did the pool, um, drove around, ran some errands, played outside, but yeah, you know, a lot of running. Good work, dad. Um, are you an NBA fan? I used to be a okay. much bigger NBA fan. Like I'm a Boston guy, so I'm a Celtics fan. Sure. I have a Paul Pierce jersey hand in the closet, although I probably can't pull that out given the recent revelations about him in a wheelchair and why he needed to use one. But the NBA draft, it's kind of off my radar. Like ever since I got into the NFL media world, like sitting down to watch a game, like whether it's basketball or baseball, I watched the the uh, NHL final, but yeah, it's tough to get time to like watch something else because my wife is like, wait, you've got got done working and watching tape and now you're going to watch sports? Yeah, you know how that is. I'm very much the same way because, I mean, first of all, I grew up in Pittsburgh and I, there's not an NBA team here, but I was with the Bird Magic era. Bird was my favorite. And you probably like that. Um, and, of course, Jordan was huge. Yeah. But really, when I started getting into sport, or when I've done this for a living, which is over 20 years now, I have not paid the NBA attention to the NBA at all until a little bit recently. I've been watching the playoff games late at night, like when the wife falls asleep and I'm typing an article or whatever, but I don't know anything. But where I'm going with this is this Davis to the Lakers trade is a blockbuster. Oh, and, yeah. and it made me think about the Raiders. And I wanted to run this by you. Now we have some hindsight. Should the Raiders have just kept Mac and Cooper and paid them similar to Dallas is going to in the way Chicago did? And my logic behind that is just, you know, close your eyes and think of the, the Raiders now that still have Cleveland Farrell. They would not have the other two. They would have J- they would not have Jacobs, although they maybe would have got him in the second round. And they would not have had Elam, the safety. Um that pretty much covers our compensation for Amari. They'd still have a 2020 first coming from them with the Bears. And then there's some riffraff other other stuff that I'm just going to gloss over. So here's what I'm going with. is If you're the Raiders, you still could have traded for AB, put him next to Cooper. Maybe you wouldn't sign Terrell Williams. And I'm not going to get into this huge butterfly effect of all the things that would have happened. But if you add those two to the roster... Take the two names we know now uh, that they used the first round pick from and the Bears first round pick next year. And yeah, your cap is a little more eaten up, but you probably don't have a Terrell Williams or, you know, I think looking back, maybe you should have kept the two dudes. 
I mean, I think there's definitely a case for that. And here's sort of an interesting thought project. You know, you said, look, they make that pick at four. So Farrell, the defensive end. If you've got Mac, you could go Farrell, and now you've got two defensive ends. Mm-hmm. Well, you could go in a different direction. Well, of course, right. You could really what go down a wormhole here. What if you go like Ed Oliver at four, put mm-hmm. him inside, and you've That's got Mac first. outside? Right. Or I don't know if you would go a tight end at four, but you could put a Hawkins in there. I mean, they could have just gone Jonah, you know, Jonah Williams there yep. and sort of addressed the offensive line. You know, now, you know, you could still do the Trent Brown signing, but now you've got, okay, a backup plan for Colton Miller, who they say could be their left tackle, but maybe not. You could have gone a number of different directions there. And, and take a step further, they, like the, step, the second rounder may have ended yeah. up being Josh Jacobs or – Miles Sanders, you know, yeah, so you, know, so you, you could end up still end up with, you know, two of the three guys you drafted in the first round. You would still have Mac. You would have Cooper. I mean, the interesting thing with the Cooper piece to this is it did seem like, you know, he had struggles with his hands. You know, he had struggles with drops at times. It seemed like that sorted itself a little bit in Dallas, maybe change of scenery or what. So maybe Cooper's not playing at the same level. Maybe not. But you could imagine – you know, how he would fare with a B across from him, which is like you said, a trade they still could have done. I think there's a strong case to be made that, you know, the Raiders would be much better off had they just held on to those two guys. Yeah, right. And where I'm going with this is that I, again, I don't even, I've read very little about this NBA trade, but the, the common feedback, and a lot of this comes from my 12 year old who's in the NBA, is wow, New Orleans is set up forever. They're going to get Williamson, no relation, believe it or not. And they have all these young picks and great, but you know, I mean, sometimes the bird in the hand is pretty nice. And Cooper and Mac might go to the Hall of Fame someday. I mean, especially Mac. Yeah, I mean, you could say that Mac's on a path right now. And if Cooper continues to produce like he did the last half of last year, right, with Prescott, you could make a case that he could end up there. And you know sort what? Of he's that, so young. I mean, he's kind of he's on a Hall so, of Fame pace. He's right. younger than most. You know, rookies that were drafted last year at the wide receivers. Right, right. So, I mean, he's got years ahead of them. And, you know, it's an interesting thing to sort of like this idea of, you know, what you have is better than the unknown. And I think that's the paralysis that we sometimes see at the quarterback position. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about, well, who's going to be the first team? Might it be the Rams to sort of cut bait with the rookie quarterback and just say, we'll get another rookie? Well, the the evaluation process and the draft process, you know this perhaps better than anybody, Matt. It's still hit or miss, even with all the information available to these organizations. So if you have guys like Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, yeah, you know, Cooper might have had a couple of flaws. I don't think Mack's got too many flaws in his game. They're better off than what is the unknown out there, what you might get. And, of course, now what this sets up is, you know, you look at the Raiders and what they get in Jonathan Abram and what they might get in Josh Jacobs. They're going to be forever linked to those two players. They are. They and that's, are. And those expectations carry some weight. Absolutely. And I'm sure if you gave Gruden truth serum, I was going to say Mayock, but he wasn't there at the time, he would have guessed that those two first-round picks coming back at him probably would have been earlier in the round than they end up being. Yeah, I mean, you probably thought, well, look, when you make that trade with Chicago, you, nobody expected Chicago to have the kind of season that they had. Mm-hmm. So you're probably thinking that's going to be like a pick maybe in the mid-teens at but, worst. But you helped them get there by giving yeah. them the Pro Bowler. Exactly. <laughs> right, I same mean, with Cooper. It's kind of a double-edged sword. Like you give them a great piece and then you think, oh, well, it's still going to be bad. Well, you just made their defense. Yeah. So what did you kind of expect, you know? And same thing you know, with Dallas, too. Same thing with Dallas. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. 
you know, maybe Dallas overachieved a little bit when the Eagles struggled a bit with injuries and things like that in the middle of the season. But still, I mean, you helped them. What did you expect? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's great to accumulate all those picks. And boy, the Raiders won the offseason. Raiders run the draft. But Marty Cooper and Cleo Look, Mack are pretty damn good. Matt, I'm in the D.C. area. Right down the street, there's an organization that has a ton of off-season winner banners headed oh, yeah. from the rafters at FedEx Field. But <laughs> they don't have many Super Bowl titles since the Dan Snyder era came over. So yep. off-season only gets you so far. That only gets you so far. Uh, folks, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you do know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready. You can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. That always sticks out to me. I can't imagine taking a pill and making an appointment for an hour later. Um, what else? Now, guys, this isn't just for folks that can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. They're also made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Here's what you got to do, though. There, we got a special deal just for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use our special co- promo code Locked On, it costs you 5 bucks in shipping. That's nothing. And trust me, you get much more than $5 value here. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. It's the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Now, Mark, uh, you have done a little bit of pre getting ahead of the game on a couple quarterbacks who should be in next year's draft is that usually your process at least to get familiar with some of these dudes over the summer yeah i mean my my process is is over the summer to cast a wide net like last summer i watched 40 guys like guys that didn't even sniff an xfl tryout at the end of the season but you cast the wide net you get a feel and a baseline on these guys and then you see how they do in the next year and by doing that over the seasons like i've been able to accumulate a backlog of film analysis and tape study on guys like you know a nate stanley or justin herbert or last year you know a clayton thorson or a drew Locke. you know you start you watch three games of these guys and then they stick around for three years and before you know it you've got 15 games on a guy when you're all said and done and so Hmm, this is all about it's all about baselines like you see people on twitter saying you know planting their flag you know Tua Tagliovila he's QB1 and I'm my other job this summer in addition to studying these guys is to learn how to pronounce Tua's last name. <laughs> yeah, Tagliovila Viloa is how you do it at the end. It's it's still a struggle for me. I've tried it on a bunch of different shows now and I can't get it done but yeah just get a baseline on these guys. People are planting flags. It's not the time to plant flags. The time is just get a baseline and see how they perform relative to that to that baseline when we get to the fall. I know that he's not someone you've studied in depth, but you have watched Tua, right? I mean, you oh, yeah. watch TV copies. I've I watched, love the way he throws I've, a football. I've watched some all 22 on him as well. Oh, like okay. I haven't gone in depth, but he's good. Spoiler alert. The yeah, kid yeah. is good. I mean, there's a reason that just, you know, that Jalen Hurts, who was their starter is now playing at a different school. 
he'd be, he'd be good at any school and it's not Jaylen this Hurts, type. And, he could yeah. walk into pretty much any other locker room and he'd probably be QB1. Except okay. for maybe you know the Oregons and the Ohio States, like the teams that have guys. Like any sort of power five school you know, or a group of five school, definitely, he'd be QB1. He's, he's good too. You know, maybe he struggles throwing the ball at times, but he's a runner slash thrower. Tua is a great passer. Now, are there things he needs to clean up? Yeah, but for a young, inexperienced player, sky could be the limit for him. And I understand why organizations, say Miami and others, are thinking this is going to be our savior. Now, there might be a savior a year beyond that because Tua is good. Lawrence is great. You really think think he's noticeably better? I think he's noticeably better. Wow. I think you see processed speed, advanced decision making. Like, because he's far along as luck was at that time. I don't want to go that okay. far. Okay, I was going to say that's the, like the gold that's standard the name, today. Matt. That's the name that comes to mind. It's like you kids, you almost want to get there with him, and he's close enough to think this kid's going to be something special. Now that being said, look, guys could have great starts, but you get a year of filming them, teams might figure them out. So. As excited as I am about Trevor Lawrence and to a degree too, like I'm still not ready to just anoint these guys as the next surefire things because things can change over a period of time. But both of those guys are fun. I like both of them. I, I, I say this as a Patriots guy. You poke around Twitter a little bit and you see fans of other teams terrified that somehow Trevor Lawrence makes his way to New England because he's that good. And, you know, fans of other teams are like, that would just doom us for the next 20 years. You know, they, oh, that's DiMaggio. Man will follow yeah, DiMaggio. Exactly. Rogers falling exactly. far. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's Ruth Gehrig murders Rogers. <laughs> right. I mean, but they're both great. I am over, over the moon excited to watch those guys. But there are a number of guys in this quarterback group that might make it a very good class. Yeah, and I want to get to some of the fewer, the lesser names that you've been looking at lately. But last, last little note is I've learned over the years that Sometimes the guy in college isn't as great as everyone thinks because all the scouts aren't breaking down every weakness. And Matt Leiner would have been the first pick overall if he came out. Well, no one really scouted him that way yet until he declared. You know what I mean? But I do think these two dudes from Bama and Clemson are probably the first pick overall if they come out. I I think so. And, you know, what's interesting is I've – thought about a lot the sort of life cycle of a draft quarterback because what happens over the summer is these guys get built up and people are planting their flags on tour or better than anybody last year yeah yeah yeah, grass is always greener the next class is always better but then we're going to get into october when everybody really dives into these games and he'll miss a throw to the flat it's all he his ball placement is no he's bad and so we'll go (laughs) through like october november december when these guys aren't as good as we thought We'll look at other guys, and then come March and April, we'll get back in on them again. Like there's this weird sort of life cycle to the quarterback position. But you know, you bring up an interesting point about you know thinking these guys are good, and then they turn out not to be good. I was reading, uh, it was June Jones who was given a clinic. It was a, from years ago, but I was reading it the other day, and it was about Colt Brennan. And if you remember Colt yeah. Brennan, I was all aboard Colt Brennan. You know, Hawaii thought, for people who don't remember. Uh, yeah, the Hawaii and, quarterback. And we're going to get to Hawaii here in a minute. Ridiculous numbers. Yes. And I was like, this guy, he was get drafted, I think, sixth round by Washington, never really panned out, but I thought he deserved a chance. Well, June Jones was giving a presentation on the levels concept, and he basically came out and said, Colt Brennan was an idiot. Like, he couldn't understand <laughs> anything. We had to run like six plays, and he, he couldn't even understand those, and he still put up incredible numbers. 
I bring it up. It's funny, but the point is, like, even when we watch these guys, we don't know the full picture. Sure. And so it might be a situation with some of these guys. I'm not going to like name names or anything like that because I don't see it yet. But these guys might be limited in what they could do. And yeah, they can put up numbers and produce, but we don't know the full story like their coaches do, and like their coaches then go on to tell you know, scouts and general managers and head coaches. And so it is such a weird cycle and we only get a sliver of the pitcher available to these teams. Absolutely. And intelligence and ability to learn is giant. And it's um, half battle. Right. Right. Um, I didn't plan on going down this road as much, but it seems to me that Justin Herbert's cycle's already been an odd one. Like if we were having a conversation a year from now, maybe he would have been right on the top of that list of, Oh, he's the next great one. He's first overall pick. But he didn't light it up last year, right? He didn't. Like, I still see with him some stuff that I really like, some anticipation throws, a good understanding of leverage, even the downfield passing game. Like, he had a throw, I think it was against California, where he basically threw a back shoulder on a line about 45 yards downfield. And that's kind of one of those throws where you're just like, you don't see that every Sunday. But he's able to do it. He has incredible arm talent. You look at, I think it was his first touchdown pass of the year last year against Bowling Green. It was a fourth and 10 from around the 35-yard line. And he threw a post route, splitting the safeties in a cover two look right between them on a line to the back of the end zone on just absolute rope. And so there's arm talent there for sure. But mm-hmm. the draft cycle is in full effect with him because absolutely. just a couple of weeks ago, what was it? Matt Miller came out and said, oh, scouts think that he's aloof and there's something to him. And we're already into that sort of red flag anonymous scout season. Matt, I had to check the date. I was like, is it? Did I am I Rip Van Winkle? Did I sleep through an entire season? We're already into the next draft. No, that's it. The draft is three sixty five now. It, it's it really is. it's crazy the coverage it gets. I remember the first year I started doing this. I tell my wife, you know, the season's over. You know, she's like, "What are you going to do now?" I mean, there's no football. I'm like, "Oh, you oh, have no idea." Football, right? There's football year round, and that's that was before right. I even really understood the the mechanism that is draft Twitter. And it's bigger now than then. I mean, even if you only got into it a year ago. Even like three years from now, the explosion is just crazy. And, you know, you've got guys like, you know, the guys on this network, like Kyle Krabs and the Draft Network and Trevor Sikama and all them. They're doing great work over the Draft Network. It's a a year-round event. Yeah. And, folks, you should be checking out the Draft Dudes or Locked On NFL Draft, even this time of year, because you'll learn about all these dudes, too. It's good stuff. Um, Folks, today's show is also brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own at Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. All right, Mark. You looked at a couple of these dudes. A guy that's getting a lot of buzz that my hunch is, and I know very little about these guys, is going to be a really hot name is Jordan Love from Utah State. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting a ton of buzz right now, and with reason. The kid has an absolute cannon for an arm. Really? And he's got, like, a, somewhat of a loop to his throw and delivery, and so it's not as clean as you would like to see, but he still ball pops out of his hands. He's somebody that, once we get people going to games and scouts start seeing him in person, seeing that ball, I anticipate it just explodes out of his hands when you see him in person. People are going to really like him. That offense... Is that his first thing that... I mean, is that his calling card? Is that what the the first thing you notice about him? That's it's interesting. That's going to get people in the door. Okay, but right, I think right. His process and speed is going to get people to buy in 
because, yes, he's running a wide-open, breakneck pace type of spread offense. I mean, I get winded chartered in their games. I mean, it's one of those you watch the All-22, and they don't get the camera back in time from when they got to wow. show the scoreboard yeah. before they snap the ball. I mean, there's a lot of times <laughs> where you don't catch the snap because that's how fast they're going. It's such a high you know, high-paced offense. He does a lot of stuff with a lot of scrimmage. Sometimes it comes from the sidelines. Sometimes it doesn't, which is always a good thing to see because he's got responsibilities at the line. But his process and speed, people say, yeah, air raid offenses, spread offenses, they don't do a lot on the process and speed game. No. You can see him making full field reads. One of my favorite throws of his was against Hawaii. He's working a dig and and wheel concept with a wheel route out of the backfield. And he starts throwing the dig and he sees that backside safety jump it. And he pulls it down, resets, throws the wheel, and it almost goes the distance. And that's a process and speed moment, one of those sort of yeah. no-throw decisions that you can't teach that. That's just feel for playing the position. And he shows that on so many occasions. I love his process and speed. So like I said, look, people are going to love the arm. That's going to get them in the press box to scout him. But they're going to come away thinking this kid's got a mind for playing this position. Wow, that's impressive. And yeah, it sounds like it's not a fluky offense. They would have called it that yeah. 15 years ago. But now the, the ability to now, process, that's a, yeah. a plus as opposed to a minus maybe the offense he's in. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, ultimately one of the biggest factors to play in this quarterback position is that ability to diagnose what the defense is doing, make up your mind, and get the ball out, making the right decision and doing it as fast as possible. And in this sort of up-tempo offense where you've got – bodies flying all over the place and you're doing a lot of the stuff on your own his ability to process diagnose and decide quickly it's going to go a long way for him um i don't know if you know this i just read it on roto world today though he averaged 10.6 yards per attempt at home and only 6.9 on the road which yeah, i don't know anything about utah state stadium or if it's a great place to play or not but that's a little odd there, there's definitely a home and away split to watch. And it'll be interesting because a lot of those teams they played at home last year. Now they're going to get them on the away side of the schedule. Oh, okay. And so cool. yeah, maybe it was sense. just a factor of who they played. But they're just tougher teams, I, I'm, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that that could be it. I'm not sure if they're at altitude. You know, I'm looking that up right now. Yeah. But if they're at altitude, that might be a, a thing too, where the defense comes in, they're not acclimated. They're not, it's like playing at Denver, right? You know, where you've got that ability. Let's see. They're in Merlin Olsen Field. While you're um, looking that up, too, I mean, it's a smaller school. And to start the season, oftentimes they're sitting ducks to better schools on the road, too. Like, I'm right. not saying he went to Bama in week one, but he, he might have went to USC. or You know what I mean? Like, those first couple games were against bigger programs, most likely. Again, I'm not looking at the guy's schedule, but that might be part of the thing in college, too. Yeah, and there is some altitude, it does look like. I mean, they're on the eastern edge, uh, on the western slopes of the Bear River Mountains, and that mountain rises to an elevation of 9,000 feet. So there might be some altitude that, that comes into play. Um, Absolutely. But still, we'll, we'll see You know, if that split's still there. I mean, if it's a situation where now the teams that he lit up at home, he goes on the road this year and struggles, You know, maybe it's an altitude thing. So it is something to watch. Um, but it is interesting that, sort of the evolution of the how we look at offenses. You know, another guy, Cole McDonald, that we can talk about. Yeah, I wanted to talk another about him to close things up. A similar air raid system where we're Hawaii. seeing that, yep, Hawaii, we were seeing that ability to quickly process that you're asked to do in these air raid systems. It's going to be a, a bonus for NFL, especially with all the NFL teams that are now running some of these concepts. 
What's the, the thumbnail on McDonald? I mean, I know he's a Hawaii quarterback. People used to hold that against people, you know, uh, prospects coming out. Mentioned that earlier. But again, I'm, I might look at it, the air raid guys, as now that's a bonus. I do know that he didn't finish the season nearly as strong as he started it. Yeah, started off great. Um, was getting a lot of buzz early in the season. Then things sort of slowed down a bit, um, finished poorly. One of the things I do like about him is he shows sort of, again, the mental approach, that ability to sort of read stuff and figure stuff out on the fly. Um, he had a game, I believe it was against Army, where, you know, again, they play very quickly. And they had sort of a route concept where they were working a post route in the middle of the field. And it was wide open, and he doesn't pull the trigger. And they came right back to it. He saw the same exact defense. And again, this was all coming from him. It wasn't coming from the sideline because it's all up-tempo, no huddle. He didn't get a chance to huddle with the coach. He goes right back to it and drills it for a touchdown. Just mm. showed you that mental process and ability. You know, it's the same play as the previous snap, same example coverage, finds that post route to split the safeties. You know, he sees it's an RPO-type look where the linebacker crashes as well. He's got He's a very decisive quarterback. Maybe not the process and speed that I love about Jordan, but he's close in that aspect. Very good arm. Similar bit of a dip in a loop to the throwing motion, but good arm, good placement, and I like the sort of mental approach and the toughness to him. I do want to see how he sort of rebounds from what was sort of a poor end to the season for him, but I do see some potential. And I've talked to some people, some other people in the media world that really think the world of this kid haven't studied hmm. all of his stuff from last year and think that he has the potential to be a, a top five quarterback, not a top five pick. But when we get all said and done, you might have Tua and you might have Herbert and then you might have Cole McDonald in that next tier. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm definitely keeping an eye on both these guys. Um, folks, we're going to try to keep doing this as Mark digs into some of these quarterbacks that I don't know about and probably you don't know about throughout these quote quiet weeks, so I'm going to try to make this somewhat of a theme on Wednesdays. Mark, you're the man. This is a blast. Let's do it again next week. Sounds like a plan, my friend. Looking forward to it already. All right. And folks, I will have Mike Sando on tomorrow. We're recording extra late, though, so uh, I'll get that to you as soon as possible. Uh, he's a busy man. So that's a wrap. Over and out.